You may be interested to know today is Mother's Day. If you hadn't already heard that, it's sort of like you haven't heard it, you know, this morning. But we're thankful you're here. I know many of you are celebrating today with your mother. We're thankful that you've chosen to be here with us in doing that. And we invite you to be with us every time you have an opportunity to, to come. You're always welcome here at Midway. This morning as we think about some lessons that have to do with mothers, I, I want you to think about the fact that there's something that's stated in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and we're going to be looking in just a minute at Proverbs chapter 31, verses 1 through 9. But if you back up just one chapter to chapter number 30, you're going to read in verses 11 through 14 in what Tyndall's commentary calls four facets of arrogance. And if you look at verse number 12, one of those facets of arrogance has to do with those who are hypocritical. If you look at verse number 13 of that chapter, you're going to find that, that uh, there are people in our world today who are, who are not only hypocritical, but there are, are some who are haughty. And then if you look at the next verse, verse number 14, you're going to find that there are some people who are just heinous people. They do bad things. And so you've got the hypocritical, you've got the haughty, and you've got the heinous. But leading up the, the list there of those four things, those four facets of arrogance that Tyndall calls it, if you back up to verse number 11, one of the things that's stated is that there are people who refuse or who do not bless their mother. And so this morning, as we think about today being Mother's Day, we want to we reach out. We want to think about mothers. We want to think about good things that they do. We want to think about them and, and praise them and bless them for the things that they do. And we've already had a prayer. We've already had things mentioned in regard to that. And so I hope that as you go home today and you spend time with your mother, if you still have her here with you, that, that you will indeed thank her and, and bless her for the things that she has done for you. But again, this morning, as we think about that, Sandra Humphrey, back in 1995 at the Fried Hardeman Lectureship in the ladies' class and also in the 1995 edition of the Fried Hardeman Lectureship book, had some things to say in regard to women and in regard to mothers. And and one of the things that she says, and this is a, a, in part of, of a longer paragraph, she says, we, talking about mothers, spend hours drilling our toddlers on their numbers and their ABCs so they'll do well in school. But how much time do we spend teaching them the only things that will be important a hundred years from now? I think that's an important thought. How much time do we spend teaching them not how to count, not how to balance a checkbook, not how to get a good job and get ahead in life, but how much time do we spend teaching our children about things that are going to be important a hundred years from now? That, that is a deep thought. That's something that we really and truly as mothers and as fathers as well need to think about that. While you're pondering that this morning, while you're thinking about that, teaching your children, I want you to think about something that's said in the very first words of our Bible reading this morning, found in the book of Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse number 1, where the Bible speaks about King Lemuel's mother. Did you notice the words that were, that were there? The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught 
Him. Just ask the question, what are, we, what are we teaching our children? Mothers, what are you teaching your children? Well, here's a king that says, here's some things my mother taught me. And this man who would grow up to be king had a mother who, who was mindful of things, and I think that as we look at them, things that would have been of importance a hundred years from the time that she taught him. But as we look at them this morning, we're going to break it down in basically three different categories Three different things that we need to look at and think about in regard to the oracle, to the things, to the, uh, to the words that King Lemuel's mother taught him. Well, let's just put it in sort of some words that we can think about. In the next verse, as you continue reading there, verse, or actually verse number 3, King Lemuel's mother says to him, Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. I suggest to you this morning that what King Lemuel's mother is saying to him is don't be a skirt chaser. Don't be one who's going after wild women. Don't be one who is, who is seeking after the, the pleasures of this life and trying to gain you know, the favors of women. Don't spend all of your time. Don't spend all of your effort. Don't spend all of your money. Don't do all of these things trying to impress the women, trying to be a ladies' man. Now, I think that brings up a, a good point here as we begin to think about this. And, and perhaps when we think about it, it, it will give it more significance if we ask the question, well, just who was King Lemuel? And he's not talked about a whole lot in Scripture. We don't know a whole lot about him. Scholars debate who this man was, who this king was. They, you know, they can't point to a verse that says this is exactly who it is. But, but as you think about this passage and you think about what is said and you think about what is written here, there's a very good chance that this was King Solomon, another name for King Solomon that we have here. Now, we know going back to the birth of Solomon that when he was born that we read about in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, that when King Solomon was born, the Lord sent a message by the prophet Nathan to David, King Solomon's father, and basically the message was this, I love this baby. I love this little boy. And so David, the Bible says there in that passage, David called him Jedidiah, which means beloved of God. And so when we look at it, we think about the fact that, that here is Solomon, he has another name, but the name Lemuel is one which means not beloved by God, but devoted to God. And so when God sent the message to David and David called him Jedidiah, it may very well have been that King Lemuel's mother had a, somewhat of a nickname uh, regarding him, which was Lemuel, which means I am devoting you to God. I am giving you to God. Now, having said that, again, we don't have a verse that points directly to that, but I believe that it's altogether possible and very likely that King Lemuel is the man that we better know as King Solomon. Now, thinking about that, it's important for us, thinking about that, if that is the case, who was King Solomon's mother? Who was King Lemuel's mother? Well, his mother would have been none other than Bathsheba. Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. Now go back and read that passage again, Proverbs 31, verse number 3. Think about what she said. Do not give your strength to women, your ways, to those who destroy 
kings. Could it have been that King Solomon's mother, King Lemuel's mother, Bathsheba, was thinking about her own life, the life of her now husband, David, and the mistakes that, that they had made. You remember how David had gone out and he had seen Bathsheba as she was on the rooftop and how he had called her, how they had committed adultery, how she had gotten pregnant, how David had had eventually basically had uh, her husband murdered so that he could marry her. And all of the problems that, that were related to that, all of the, the long-standing consequences that, that had to do with that situation, could it be that, that King Solomon or King Lemuel's mother was trying to spare her son from making the same mistakes that his daddy had made, that she had made? And so she is saying to him, don't do this. She's begging with him. She's pleading with him. And if you listen to it as Ben read it this morning, it's all you can almost hear the words as she pleads with her son, don't do these things. Be this kind of person. Be the right kind of man. And so if that is the case, she's saying don't do this. But unfortunately, Solomon didn't listen, did he? If this is indeed the king that is known as King Lemuel, Solomon did not listen. Because when we turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, we began reading about all of the wives and the concubines. 700 wives, 300 concubines. And, and we read about the fact that these women turned Solomon's heart away from God. They turned his heart away from God. That's sad enough within itself for a man to lose his love for God. And, And if for no other reason, you know, he should have stayed on the right course, he should have listened to what his mother had to say. But do you remember the full statement that his mother had to say? Don't be chasing after these women. Don't be a skirt chaser. Don't be devoting your power to them. Because what do they do? Well, they ruin kings. They, they tear down kingdoms. If you continue reading there, after you've read about Solomon's wives in First uh, Kings chapter 11, you go on down to verse number 9 of that passage, the Bible says, And the Lord was very angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep the command of the Lord. Therefore, verse number 11, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Think about mother begging and pleading with him. Don't be the skirt chaser. Don't be the one who's devoting his power to these women who will tear down a king. And if Solomon was the king that is mentioned here as being King Lemuel, he didn't listen to mama. And as a result of that, the baby that God loved 
that was named Jedidiah, beloved of God, whose name Lemuel means devoted to God, became the object of the anger of God because he turned his back on God because his wives had turned his heart from God. And as a result of that, the kingdom, God said, was torn from his hand. You see what the mother was saying here is it's not just be a, a skirt chaser, but the real point is personal purity. Personal purity. Personal purity, when, when disregarded, can tear down a man. Personal purity, when disregarded, can tear down a woman. Personal purity, when disregarded by either a man or a woman, can tear down a family. Personal purity, when disregarded by either a man or a woman, when, when either one forgets to, 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 to do what mother has suggested, has, has taught them to do, not only can it tear down a family, it can tear down a church. Not only can it do that, but it can tear down a nation. When we turn our back on God, God who still directs the affairs of man, can take a nation down. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights as we've been studying from the minor prophets over the past several months, we'll see all of the sinful acts that these people, God's people, committed and how God said punishment is coming, and it did. And so this morning as we think about this idea of purity, it's something that, that truly ought to be on the forefront of the minds of every single one. Now, I don't have time this morning to deal with these in great detail, but let me back up here. Uh, hit two, went too far right there. Back me up one. When you think about having the desire to go and to have purity in your life, here are seven things that you have on the screen that you probably would do well to remember. Number one on that list is recognize your potential for failure. That you're not immune, that you have uh, the, 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 the mind that can be led astray as well, just as King Solomon could. And so, as 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Understand that you have the potential for failure. Number two, realize you do not have to give in. It's, it's not something that you must do. In the book of Romans chapter 8, at verse 37, the Bible speaks about how that with Christ we can be more than conquerors, not just in the fact of, of having salvation, not just in the fact that we can live with Him eternally, but we can overcome the sinful influences in our life. We can conquer these things. We need to resolve to be pure. And I keep hitting the wrong thing here. Resolve to be pure. What did Daniel do? Daniel chapter 1 at verse number 8. He resolved to keep himself pure. Refused to give in even for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. That devil is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the Bible says. He's always hungry and he's always nipping at your heels and he's always ready to take a bite. And so if we just slow down, if we just you know, ease up just a little bit. He might get that bite. And when he does, he can devour us so easily. 
Run from every form of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every form of evil. Number six, renew your mind in God's Word. Think about what is said in the Psalm, Psalm 119, verse number nine. The question is asked, how can a young man keep himself or his way pure? And then the psalmist answers it. It's a good thing. How can a young man keep his way pure? Well, the answer is this, by guarding it according to your word. Think about what God says. And then lastly, number seven, remember you will give account before God. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, or rather Ecclesiastes chapter 12 at verse number 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so if we, if we want to maintain that path of purity, perhaps these seven things would be something that we would want to remember. But again, back to what Lem, King Lemuel's mother taught him and in Proverbs chapter 31, the second thing is, is she taught him to stay sober. She said, stay sober. Look at verses 4 through 7. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strength or strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. I want you to understand this morning that alcohol, that drugs, they have a proper place. They are for the sick and for the dying. And when you look at this passage and you begin to analyze it, the mother is not saying, okay, now, now son, you're going to be king, and so you don't need to drink. Just let the poor folks, let the peasants, let, let those who, are, who, who don't have the responsibilities that you have, who, who live out here in, in, in basic poverty, let them be the drinkers. Let them be the drunkards. Let them be the ones who drown their sorrows and, and, and wash their miserable lives away. That's not what she's saying, I don't think at all. She's not giving permission for everybody except the king to, to drink wine. But she is saying that there's a proper place for it. Do you remember what's said in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 34? When Jesus was hanging on the cross. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh or gall, depending upon which of the books that you're reading from. According to historians, it's understood that this was something that the, that the holy women would do, that they would bring these things, and, and to make a long story short, they based this process or this thing of, of giving this mixture to those who were suffering as not something that would drown their sorrow, but something that would help to ease their pain. It would be somewhat of an anesthetic. They based it on Proverbs 31. And what King Lemuel's mother said. And so, it may well be that what was done for Jesus was what had been suggested by King Lemuel's mother. We do know that the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, at verse number 23, No longer drink only water, English Standard Version says, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. 
He's talking about it being used medicinally. And so when we're looking at it, King Lemuel's mother is not giving everybody except the king permission to drink alcohol. Drugs and alcohol, they have a proper place. But I want you to understand what she says here. She says, when you do this, it impairs your judgment. The mother warns against impaired judgment. Look at it again. Look at the passage. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to drink, take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what's been decreed and pervert the right of all the afflicted. She's telling him, she's warning him to be not just sober from the standpoint of not taking these, these kinds of substances, she's warning him to be sober-minded. Sober-minded. Now, quickly, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul uses two different things. He, he compares the idea of being beside ourselves, the words that's used and translated in the King, English Standard Version, with being in our right mind. That's the word sophreno, uh, uh, sophroneo. Well, elders are to be sophroneo, or sophron, Titus chapter 1, verse 8, sober-minded. Now remember, beside ourselves, in our right mind, being sober-minded. Elders are to be, have that kind of mindset. But not only elders, according to the book of Titus chapter 2 at verse number 4, young, young women are to be taught by the older women to be sophronizo, sober-minded. Translated in some translations, self-controlled. But the idea is in our right mind. Not just for elders and for young women, but it's also for young men. Titus chapter 2 verse number 6, young men are to be sophroneo, sober-minded. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Peter writes, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And so every one of us are to be what King Lemuel's mother was trying to get him to be. Yes, we stay away from the substances. We know that other passages warn against that. As a matter of fact, when we, when we read passages such as Proverbs 23, verses 29 and 30, we find nothing but woe and sorrow when we are partakers of these kinds of things. But we are to be sober-minded. I want to leave you on this point with one other passage. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28. Down in verse number 7, the Bible says, These also reel, R-E-E-L, reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink and they are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink. They reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. It impaired their ability to do what was right, to make right decisions. So King Lemuel's mother, she says, stay sober. But then, thirdly this morning, what else does King Lemuel's mother say? Well, 
she says, stand up for the powerless. Stand up for the powerless. Look at verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Now if we were looking just at governments, just at rulers... I think we could probably all agree that the number one responsibility of all good government is to protect the weak, to defend the defenseless, to maintain civil rights, to promote justice in every case. I think that would be the kind of thing that that we would want to do. And that's what King Lemuel's, perhaps King Solomon's mother, is seeking to get him to do. Treat everyone equally. Treat everyone fairly. And when they are those who cannot stand up for themselves, you stand up for them. You care for them. Now let's make a point here as we think about that. The Bible teaches all of us to do that kind of thing, doesn't it? Have you ever read James chapter 1, verse 27? Religion that is... Pure, English Standard Reading. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this. You know, that gets my attention. What, what is it that about my religion that needs to be pure and undefiled that God defines in that way that He looks at and says, this is what I want you to be. This is the characteristic, or at least part of the characteristics that I want you to have. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God is this. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. Obviously, that last part, to not be influenced and stained by the sinfulness of the culture that we're living in ought to stand out for us, but the others should too. The widows, the orphans, the powerless, stand up for them. Take care of them. Make sure that you hold them in high regard. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 21 at verse 13 says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. You don't take time to stand up for the powerless, to to care for those who are less less fortunate than yourself. There may be that time in your life when you need that help and you don't get it. Let me just add this as well. We are to care for others. There's no doubt about it. And when we're caring for those who are less fortunate, the widows and the orphans, when we have that kind of heart, what are we going to think about the rest of the folks? Others who are around us. A person who has that kind of heart, who has developed that kind of 
of mentality, that kind of thinking in his own life. If he cares for others, surely he would care for his wife, right? Surely he would care for his children, right? For his neighbors, for his co-workers, for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Surely he, she would care for others. And so when we think about that, Solomon Lemuel's mother is teaching him, stand up for the powerless. I think King Lemuel had a pretty smart mother, didn't he? She was one who who taught him some things that were of value, not just of that time, but a hundred years later. Things that are of value even today. Things that we need to learn too. Mothers, teach your children these things. little boy was standing in front of the congregation and he was reciting his Bible verse. When he got up there and he was trying to recite that verse, he forgot what he was supposed to say. You ever done that? You know, I've, I've been preaching along and I know this verse and I'm ready to quote it and all of a sudden I get a blank and I can't think of what I'm going to say. Y'all been there, haven't you? Just me. Well, just me and this little boy. He forgot his Bible verse, but his mother was sitting up close to the front. So he looked at her and she started mouthing the words, I'm the light of the world. So the little boy, he perked up because he knew he had his Bible verse. He said, my mother is the light of the world. (laughs) Mothers, can your children say that about you? You are indeed the light of the world. Not just to brighten the day, but to brighten the culture. To teach those things that are good and that are right. Those things that are lasting and valuable to your children. What are you teaching your children? I could lay that at the feet of mothers this morning and leave it there and Quit preaching. We got a lot of folks out here today who are not mothers. And so that brings me to the last blank on your sheet this morning. I want you to understand that mothers can't teach if you won't listen. Mothers can't teach if you won't listen. It's not just all mama's fault, it's not all laid on her doorstep. We have responsibility to. And again, if King Lemuel is King Solomon, though he wrote it down and he remembered, he put it in writing for us to to, to read today, what his mother taught him, unfortunately, in many aspects, he didn't listen. Are you listening today? What did your mother teach you about loving the Lord? About being the person that God wants you to be? It may be this morning that you're here and you've never obeyed the gospel. And your godly Christian mother, she taught you to do that. Well, you don't do it just because she taught you to do it, but you obey the gospel because you have an immortal soul that will live somewhere 
And it only has two places. It'll either live with God for eternity in His house or live away from God being punished. Your godly mother wanted you to live with God. If you're here this morning, you've never obeyed the gospel. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Be willing to repent of the sins that you have in your life, for unless we repent, we will perish. Be willing to make that great confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be willing to be immersed, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ so your sins can be cleansed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done those things, but you haven't been living like your mother taught you to live as a Christian. He turns you back away from God. And like Solomon that we've mentioned this morning, your heart has been far from Him. Let me invite you to bring it back today. Come back to Him. Give it back to Him. Confess sin in your life. Let us pray with you and for you. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, do it right now as together we stand and